So next week, uh, we'll do a Q&A as well. And so we'll, uh, we'll probably, we'll either just hold back all the questions until next week that we don't do tonight, or we'll put something online. Depending how the week goes. Be <laughs> um, one or the other. There's a mixture of practical, I've sort of just randomly just skated my over them. There's a mixture of practical questions and sort of biblical interpretation questions. Um, and then I gave up, so I'm just going to take them as I've got them in my hand because I couldn't sort through them. Uh, usually we distinguish between marriage and the church and, for example, the boardroom or politics where we don't necessarily claim that different roles are appropriate or necessary. What biblical warrant exists for this definition, which is similar to um, can a woman, can a female prime minister fulfill her duties properly? So it's sort of overlapping. When it comes to the New Testament, the... the, the um, it, it becomes very explicit that the two areas or the two relationships that are spoken to are that of uh, marriage and the church. So the, the clearest place is uh, Ephesians 5, we have read tonight, or Colossians 3 would be similar. Wives submit your husbands, uh, husbands love your wives. So that's one relationship which is clearly defined where there's a difference. And the other one is in the church, 1 Timothy 2 where Paul says, I do not permit a, a woman to a teacher have authority over a man. So those two relationships are very clear, biblically, and defined. Now, what do you do about the office, or the boardroom, or uh, the House of Commons? I think two things must be said. The first would be, the Bible is clear on marriage and the church, and does not comment in the same way upon the workplace. Therefore, before we comment on the workplace, we need to bear that in mind and be much slower to do so. Marriage and church, you have two different covenant communities. The relationships are governed by covenant, and therefore you'd expect to see the relationships lived out in a biblical pattern. In the workplace, you are not in a covenant with your boss, colleague, co-worker, staff, dog's body, however you relate to others. Um... So there is a difference. Be the first thing to sound it. The second thing to sound it, though, in both those, when Paul comments on relationships between husband and wife and relationships within the church, he justifies his argument by an appeal back to Genesis 2, what's in creation. So it says, because of the way things are set up in creation, there's a difference. I think you've just got to bear those two things in mind. One, the Bible does not speak explicitly to male-female relationships in a workplace. Two, when it does speak explicitly of differences in relationships, it says this is because of how we men and women were created, and they are different. So you need to have those two things in place and then say, I think, therefore, I hesitantly, not wishing to be as clear as I am on other issues putting caveats in place would say that the workplace, how men and women relate to one another in general in society, if you're a Christian, it should have some echo of the relationships as they're established in Genesis 2. What does that mean? I don't know. I don't know. But we kind of know. Again, without 
without wanting to caricature, with the acknowledgement that you can't say that every man is taller than every woman. Men, on average, are taller than women, on average. Therefore, you can say the sort of things, it's broad brush, I know, that men are more task-orientated, women are more people-orientated. I, I know those are caricatures, not caricatures, broad brush things which are true on average. Therefore, a, a woman in the workplace should probably play to the strengths of her feminine character and a man more to the strengths of his male character. But I, I'm not saying that forcefully. I'm just saying you'd expect there to be some echo of that. That doesn't help me a great deal. Um, this quite, I think it's a helpful chapter. So in this book, Carrie's book, Different by Design on the Workplace. Um, I think it has some useful questions to ask if you're a man in the workplace and if you're a woman in the workplace. I would encourage you to, to read through that. I could read them, but that would take all our time. Um, you mentioned that in a group of singles men should lead in some ways can you, ooh, can you explain this further please I think it might be dangerous for women to submit to random Christian men um, <laughs> whoever wrote this question I know who you're thinking about <laughs> no um, again uh, in making that sort of comment I am, I'm just saying I think biblically you'd expect there to be some echo of these relationships as they're set up. It isn't, you go on holiday, you're a gang, and a bloke there says, right, I've designed the rotors, and men will garden, and women will cook, and, and that's how it's going to be. I'm not suggesting anything of that at all. I'm saying gentle leadership along the lines of, Guys, we're away for a week together. Wouldn't it be great if, what, every other night we read something from the Bible and chatted about it? Why don't we, before we finish dinner, just every night read a psalm? That's the sort of gentle leadership I have, I've got in mind. Um, someone needs to go shopping. Oh no, I'm a bloke who wants to be a leader. I'll do it, because someone needs to do it. Nothing too strident. Servant leadership. Um, Golly. Uh, Is the reason that some women remain single because they would be unable to submit? I don't think so. Uh, No. That's an easy one, I think. No. Um... Is there biblical evidence that women should be submitting to men they're not married to? No. Caveat. No. Apart from the Lord Jesus, who we're all called to submit to. Um, And the government, Romans 13, we're to submit to. And Hebrews 13, elders in a church that we're all called to submit to. Not in all areas of our life, but you know, in, in church matters. So those different arenas, yeah, we all submit. We all submit to Jesus, we submit to the government, submit in church. But you don't submit to any other bloke other than your husband. Other than those. What does that mean? Do you submit to a policeman you meet in the street the same way as you submit to your husband? Of course not. Of course not. It's a very different relationship. 
Where does it say in the Bible that marriage is for service? Last week's sermon. Listen to last week's sermon. I mean, what is, it was an argument constructed over the course of about 10 minutes or so in the Bible. So, is that bad? You look at me as if I've done a bad thing. Um, okay. Um, what does submit to your husband's mean in practical life? Because it can easily be misunderstood other than in extreme situations. What does it mean in normal situations, excluding robbing a bank? Does that mean that's normal in your marriage? Um, <laughs> it's a general pattern or tone, um, uh, I think. And uh, Kerry and I, we've done marriage prep at church since we've come here, really. But... We used to be a lot more strident. It means leading in marriage for husbands means this. Submitting in marriage means that for wives. And um, after a while you realize it just works out differently in different marriages. It looks different in different marriages. It's easier to say what it's not. Hence my attempt at these funny diagrams. Um, What it'll look like in your marriage is not what it'll look like in mine or... um. Sarah, do you want to say anything more than that? I just, it's different, isn't it? It's different. It's the, it's the husband showing a general pattern of initiative. Not in everything, in our household, Kerry always sorts out holidays, etc. But it's a general tone and pattern of initiative of serving um, for the husband and supporting, not supplanting. Uh, a little example, I mean, just one practical example. Um, uh, certainly when... Um, when our son was young, it was young. Uh, we went through a phase where I got disenfranchised as dad, because my wife Carrie was at home with uh, with baby, and I was at work. And I'd come home, and the baby would be doing something, and crying at a different volume, and I wouldn't know what it was. And Carrie said, "Oh, that means that this needs to happen." Uh, well, where do I find the where do I find the nappy? Where do I find the where where, where have you moved them to? Oh, just give them to me, and I'll sort it out and do it. And after a while, I said, do you know what? Um, You are more efficient. But if you do that all the time, I'm just distancing myself from childcare because I'm being disenfranchised. And and maybe you just need to show me how to do it. It'll slow you down. But it'll be good for us. And then, you know, you can have a bit more sleep, etc., etc. This tiny little example. But at that point, she said, yeah, I, I can see that. I'm disenfranchising you. I'm supplanting you completely. And that's not helping us as a family. Uh, both Plus Plus Rowan and Plus Plus Justin, that's archbishops, are vocal supporters of women bishops and the laity impose biblical morality on the church by just six votes. What future can the Church of England have? I don't know. I don't know. But the Lord is on his throne. And um, who knows what will happen? Uh, I think uh, this was. Oh, I didn't use it. We were, we used this, was, excuse me. Uh, read this this morning. This was. I mean, amid all the media furore this week, this was a leader of one newspaper, which I thought was a helpful observation they made. At this point, after the vote went against women bishops, at this point, we in the media need to take a deep breath. Even if we disagree with what has taken place, the purpose of the church is not to accommodate the demands of secular society. Its duty is to a higher power. Those who voted no to the measure knew that they were going against the grain of modernity and the exhortation of their bishops. 
but they'd scrutinized conscience and scripture and could not bring themselves to vote otherwise. And I thought that's, you know, it's an interesting piece in a newspaper. We don't, we disagree with the vote, but we get why people will vote against it. If they have the Bible as their authority, they're going to. And they've, and they've, and they've studied it and come to in the, in, in their conscience thought, no, the Bible says there shouldn't be women bishops. They're going to vote against it. So the issue is one for, of authority. Within the Church of England, there are some who have the Bible as their authority. There are more who would have secular culture as their authority. What is reasonable? Uh, I forget who said it. Um, uh, anyway, but the famous quote, the man, the man who marries the spirit of the age will quickly find himself a divorcee. A widower, sorry. Can't remember who said it, can't remember the quote. The man who marries the spirit of the age will quickly find himself a widower. I.e. culture moves on so very quickly. If you say, this is what is true, tomorrow, 20 years' time, this is completely out of date. Out of date. And so some would just say, well, it's impossible in the 21st century to not have women bishops. Well, okay, culturally I get that. And I get if you don't have the Bible as your authority, to, to not have women bishops is nuts. But if you do then you're going to come to a different conclusion. What does that mean for the future of the Church of England? I don't know. Pray for it. God could cause revival in the Church of England. He could say, I've had enough of that useless organization, um, and swipe it away. And, and if, as what is desired by many, uh, the vote goes through with no provision for those who would view differently, the Church of England gets smaller and smaller and smaller, and within a generation could be and nothing left to it. But we don't know. God could cause a rival. Who knows? Um, what do we do now? What's this pile? Um, I'm sorry if your writing's that bad. No. The, um, uh, I can't read the first bit. You, um, you said that, uh, Marriage makes us more human. What does that mean if you're not married? Yeah, that was a stupid sentence. I think what it means is that you just see, you see, you see truths through a different gender, which means you see truths differently. Um, you don't need to be married for that. You just need to speak to people of the opposite sex for that. That was a, uh, forgive me, it was a lazy sentence. Presumably it's helpful to distinguish between generalizations and God-ordained roles, indeed. Uh, E.g., if a baby boy prefers dolls to trucks, he's not any less male. No, he's not. No. Again, the, the point of that research um, was, again, only that generally there is a difference between men and women. You cannot say every man is taller than every woman. That makes no sense. You can say, on average, men are taller than women. You can say, on average, ba- baby boys will always go for trucks. On average, baby boys will go for trucks and baby girls, because there's a difference. Look, we're, we work in a culture that you know, is allowed to make truisms. The book, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, massive bestseller. It would be slightly clumsy if the title was Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus, apart from some women who are a bit more Mars-like and some men who are a bit more Venus-like and some who just flip between the two and seem to have dual nationality. That's a slightly clumsy title for a book. And we, you, 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 know, you can make generalizations that are true. Men are more task orientated than women, but I'm not. I'm I'm a I'm a very person orientated bloke. Great, great. Just on average, there's a difference. 
uh, I think we've done that. Um, Last week you said that two become three in marriage and you can serve God better in marriage. How does that fit with 1 Corinthians 7.22 following, I always thought singles were freer to serve the Lord. Indeed. Uh, again, so, um, I may have been clumsy in my language. What I remember is you want, to, you want to have a marriage where the two of you coming together m- helps you do more. You don't want to have a marriage where one plus one equals 1.5. Uh, I that you you draw one another away from serving the Lord. Um, you want to marry someone who'll encourage you to serve the Lord. Was my limited point in my mathematical nonsense? Okay, uh, that was all it was. Um, uh, I always thought singles were freer to serve the Lord. Indeed. So Paul would say in one Corinthians seven, uh, for some, it is it is it's better to be single and, and serve the Lord. And certainly, you can do some things. You you cannot do the same volume of ministry if you're married than you can if you're single. So my contemporaries who are are single are able to do more stuff. They do things like write books, which I'd quite enjoy doing, but just don't have time to do because I have a family. And so you can do more, but... Personally, I, I, I think I function better as a married man than I would have done as a single man. So I think, therefore, think marriage encourages me. Not everyone has that choice. No, no. And if you're single, uh, you need quality friendships. Both because that's very human and a need to spur you on. And uh, you need someone who you're accountable to or some people you're accountable to. Um, the danger of, or one of the dangers of singleness is you could become unaccountable and selfish in the way you live your life and no one knows it or, or just sinful. If you're married, it's harder to do that because someone sees you day by day. There's a mirror to say you're a sinner. Um, and so if you're single, you need to find mirrors. Um, good friends will do that to you as well. But yeah, but there's clearly uh, 1 Corinthians 7, some real advantages. Uh, that's in one sense. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm doing sort of general broad brush. What we think we might do is, um, on the internet, put the more full biblical answers. Um, I think we've done that. Uh, oh golly, um, this will probably soak us all up. In terms of practical modelling of male leadership and females being helpers, there are a range of scenarios that a church could look like. Um, only men doing something publicly to men and women having equal number of public roles in church. Why do we only have men on the eldership? Why do we let women co-lead knowing God groups? Why don't we spend equal money on female staff ministry? Um, sure. Uh, why, uh, this is a biblical question, isn't it? Uh, well, they all are, but obviously. Um, yeah, uh, uh, I've halfway through writing something, an article, uh, particularly on this issue of um, women bishops and women elders and why we don't have them, which is largely a more detailed exposition of 1 Timothy 2. And if I talk to it now, it'll be very superficial. But the main reason is, why do we only have men on the eldership? Because that's what the Bible says, 1 Timothy 2. I do not permit a woman to have 
uh, to teach or have authority over a man. So that would be the reason. Especially if, if uh, um, we're so complementary. Yes, but fortunately, the men, the men, at, the men on the eldership uh, are not ab- working in abstracts. They do have wives who support them, who they would chat things through with. Um, and obviously, we do employ uh, female workers on the staff. Why not equal money on female staffing ministry? Um, well, because there's a different role, and so it's going to be the blokes who do the majority of the upfront public teaching. Therefore, the majority of staff funding of funding is going to go to those in those roles. Once you've decided that biblically, public teaching roles upfront are for men, then. I think you're always going to have a majority of males on staff teams. I'm unhappy with that answer, but I, I'm sure we've got time to unpack it at all. Um, do we? Are we done? We're done. No, I'm, I'm being very severely frowned at, um, which means we're done. Apologies, we haven't got your question. I think we will have to write something uh, that'll appear at some point on the interweb. Um, uh, it may even be a new website. When does that happen? Who can tell? Uh, some point this week, is it? Now my, now I'm being eyes rolled at. Um, don't make those sort of promises. Uh, why don't we pray? Let me lead us in prayer. Father, how we need your word to dwell in us richly. Uh, in a culture which says to, uh, to have authority is wonderful, to submit is terrible, we, we find a biblical pattern displayed in you, Father, Son, and Spirit, of mutual love, affection, respect, glorification, while there are different roles. We find that bizarre, and yet it's so clearly demonstrated in who you are, and it's clearly written on the pages of Scripture. So, Father, even if while we wrestle with these things, would we wrestle while seeking to honor you and live out a way which you have told us is best for our flourishing as men and women? If we're still grappling with these sort of questions, if we're irritated, angered, would we be able to submit to you and the truths of Scripture? Would we do so in a manner, and we have these conversations, please, in a manner which is humble, which is certain where the Scriptures are certain, which is uh, appropriately diffident and generous where the Scriptures are not so clear? So, Father, help us to be united in, in the truths of your Word and to flourish as men and women in your service, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.